Welcome back to Travoltine Presents Easy Riders. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Great Balls of Fire. Enjoy the episode. Goodness gracious, Great Balls of Fire! You take my nose out of my brain? Uh, too much of love driving me insane. Uh, it ain't my will. Oh, what a thrill. Goodness gracious. Great balls of pedophilia. <laughs> um, I was wondering where that was going to yeah. go. And I was, um, was like, oh. Stuart, are you excited to talk about a very chill, normal movie today? <laughs> I have so many thoughts that I am trying as I came over here as we parse up the table I've been thinking all day long how to parse my thoughts on this book I I did have an idea yes for a minute I thought what if we just use this as a jumping off point and we just talk about Top Gun because they use the song they use the song in Top Gun the original both of them both of them I haven't seen the original in so long because it um Anthony Edwards plays it in the bar um, and Tom Cruise sings it with him, and mm. then in Top Gun Maverick, it uh, it you know sends Tom Cruise into an emotional spiral. Yeah, when he hears Miles Teller playing it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, so I'm down. We could just talk about Top Gun, but no, I think we have to address the the uh, the elephant in the room. The of this movie of this movie. Um, um, Thank you very much for welcome back to Easy Riders. Yes. Thank you for listening to our episode last week. Our on, Christmas spectacular. Christmas spectacular. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, we all know I did. Yeah, we had some and... fun guests. <laughs> 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 oh boy! Uh, um, thank God we record these in order, right? Jeff? Yes, we we definitely record these in order. Um, we recorded Christmas uh, in July, um, as is the tradition in America nowadays. Yeah. A lot of people are. Many people are saying this. Yeah. So, um, this week we're talking about Great Balls of Fire. We are. Um, last time we talked about Winona, uh, she had just finished Heathers, which was kind of a really big leap for her. Explosive moment in her career. Yes, that, that movie kind of defined her as, you know, even though it wasn't a major success, it redefines her career and her talent as an actress. Fired off a lot of new hits for her. Yes. Um, this she movie... shot up the industry. Yes. So, sorry, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I, I like that. Okay, thank you. Th- this movie and the next movie kind of you know, don't really come out of that. Yeah. Um, this movie is, you know, in production during, you know, basically immediately after Heather's, mm-hmm. um, as their next movie, welcome home, Roxy Carmichael, which was written for a younger Winona and she was contractually obligated to do it. Um, so we don't really see the, like the, the growth of the seed that Heather's laid in this movie. Right. Yeah. Cause like uh, my thought was like, in in the research of this, she's 18 when making this movie. Yes. This is the movie you'd expect the Winona of 1969 and Square Dance to do. Or, like, even of Beetlejuice. Like, this is what you'd imagine the next step of that Winona's career path to be. Not the next step for Heathers. Yeah, not the next step coming off of Heathers. Right. Um, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's a step back because, you know, careers are long and she has a lot of success immediately after this. But it's just kind of a like a nothing. It's not even a bump in the road. It's just kind of a nothing in the road. Because like I, 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 as I was watching this movie, I kept trying to think. It's like okay, what? Because we've said it before on the podcast, and I don't. Is there any um, biography context that 
talks about this moment in her career at all. I yes. wouldn't think there is. Well, not much in the way that we're talking about I would have thought it. this was a blip. Yeah, it very much is a blip. There's not a lot about it. This kind, this movie doesn't really do anything. Like, It's not a big success. Um, so there's not much in the way that it impacts her. It's the same as... I mean, we talk about movies like this with both uh, Brendan and Travolta. Yeah. Um, where it's just kind of these nothing movies that come out right after the major breakthrough success. Yeah. Um, or breakthrough successes, in this case, that don't really have much of an impact and just kind of are forgotten by time. It's so fitting we're talking about what I'm going to describe later to be a garbage movie as a garbage truck. Yeah, is, garbage truck does lumber again, by. Just lumbers by, but yes. I'm going to ignore it. Because uh, uh, I... As what we're gonna get into the plot, I know there's a lot of people who don't really know what this movie's about, so there's gonna be some things I probably say in this beginning set that won't make sense to a lot of people. But it should we describe just the IMDb logline of what this movie is about? Yes, I want to. I'm gonna quickly talk about how this movie becomes that's this in a, movie, but that, that's a very very important story. Yes, it's a very important story. So this movie's directed by Jim McBride. Um, he had directed several movies before, none of which I am familiar with. Um, I didn't even look up Jim McBride's IMDb. I mean, the only movie of his that, that I recognize is Breathless, which um, I only know because Quentin Tarantino likes it as a movie. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I don't really know much about it. Um, this is his second to last movie. Uh, he does some TV afterward, but this is kind of near the end of his career. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, and this movie is based on a book. It's based on an autobiography by Myra Gale Brown, Myra Gale Lewis, um, entitled Great Balls of Fire, The Uncensored Story of Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. This is a book written by Jerry Lee Lewis's ex-wife, um, Myra Gale, who's played by Winona in this movie. Yeah. And she wrote this book. Um, it was originally not supposed to be entitled that. Um, she was convinced to change that title to try and get more general music fans to buy the book. So Myra, when she wrote this book, uh, intended it to be like an expose about kind of the abuse she suffered under Jerry Lee Lewis. Survivor of domestic abuse. Yeah, survivor of domestic abuse, um, what she dealt with, um, and how she kind of feels like as a woman, it like perpetuate like how she, she wanted to inspire other women who were in these situations. Uh, to know that, hey, I'm a famous person who went... Um, we're we're going to talk about that. <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about that. Yes. Um, very soon. Yeah. Um, and that was her goal in writing the book. They had it changed to Great Balls of Fire as the title because they wanted music people to buy it. So already her intention was kind of being exploited. Yeah, let's pause. I, I almost wanted to pause before you mentioned the yeah. title. That story sounds like a good story. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay, now continue. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to pause and make sure we acknowledge that, that yes. the story she has to tell from her point of view sounds like a story worth telling. And so when the the rights to the book are purchased um, by, um, I'm forgetting the producer of this movie, Adam Fields, um, and then it's released by Orion Pictures. Um, when they get involved in making the movie, it... Um, they immediately are like, oh, this is great. We can make the long-awaited Jerry Lee Lewis biopic everyone wants to see. Um, and immediately change the content of the movie is still the same content of the book, which is focused on the first three years of his career um, and his relationship with Myra Gale. Yeah. Um, the problem becomes the movie takes a very different perspective. Yes. On, whereas the book and 
reality, I would say, basically hold the opinion of Jerry Lewis kind of pressured this girl. Uh, groomed who, groomed yeah, her. Groomed yeah. this girl who was admittedly in love with, like loved his iconography at the beginning. She's 13 years old. Yes. Yeah. She he groomed her into um a relationship into a relationship a into marriage relationship. sexual relationship into marriage. He's twenty one. She's thirteen. I think he's twenty two. Actually, right? I think he becomes twenty two during the plot of the oh. movie. When they first meet, it's twenty one and thirteen. Okay, okay. By the end of it, it's like fifteen and something else. Yeah. Um. Uh. Kind of forced her into this, and then um. It caused a scandal that torpedoed his career for like fifteen years. And in reality, that is the true story of like, yeah, it was found out that he married his cousin who was uh, 10 years younger than him and his career was done for a little bit. Mm-hmm. For a little bit. Yes. The movie takes, whereas, you know, Myra Gale was like, this was a fucked up situation. I was exploited. The movie decides, yes, but he really kind of got a raw deal, didn't he? Yeah. Like, you know, the the legend himself is still saying that's like the final yeah. title card of the movie. Yeah. It's like an insane, disgusting way to tell this story. Yeah. So you mentioned this briefly, but in the past year, we've had two Elvis movies. Yes. Elvis, uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, and Priscilla by Sofia Coppola. Yes. I've seen both of them. I've not seen Priscilla. I need to. Priscilla's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty good. Um, I saw it last weekend. Okay. Um, the problem, I mean, or both of these movies take a different view on the Priscilla Presley storyline. Yeah, Boz Lerman is trying to tell this. It his movie is basically a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. If you watch it, like they keep cutting to comic books, he's portraying Elvis as a superhero. Yeah, who like has a downfall in like a grand Greek Roman epic way. Yeah, that's the story he's interested in telling. Uh huh. He very Priscilla is like almost not really an element in that movie. Not really. She it's their first meeting is dramatized. And then they're married, and then she just she leaves him at the end. Yeah. Um, and the movie's really not interested in delving into that relationship. Doesn't even mention her age. Yeah. Um, which I think for the movie they're trying to tell, probably smart for that. Hmm. Um, okay. Acknowledging because, the disagreements with yes, it, though. because I think even in reality, there's that's a lot less of a that's not as toxic as this one because this has the cousin aspect as well. Yeah, and then also both the Elvis estate and Priscilla have very complicated feelings on the matter. Mm, um, okay, and so I'm not saying that it's you know necessarily the most moral thing that that movie avoids. Yeah, dealing with it, but for making that movie, um, if it had gotten in the weeds of the Priscilla storyline, that movie is not possible. And I'm fairly uneducated in the whole history aspect yeah. of it, other than just Priscilla's age yeah. element in play. And then, so Sofia Coppola makes Priscilla, which came out this year. Yeah. Um, which is all focused on that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, it's a very nuanced take. It's very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, it's a story of Priscilla getting seduced and groomed by Elvis, and then getting discarded by him, and just kind of being um, exploited by Elvis. And that movie is so hyper focused on that. And it lets you really get into the interiority of Priscilla as a human being. And that movie was not like approved or condoned by the Elvis Presley Enterprises. No. Or... Well, Priscilla was involved in that movie. Right. But the Elvis Presley uh, 
company or whatever. Yeah, the Elvis, the Presley estate was not involved in that movie. Priscilla was. Right. Um, but the Presley estate out, they out spoke out about, against the yes. movie. They and spoke they, out about it. Um, and they wouldn't let them use any of their songs or music. Yes. Which is funny because the movie does use some covers. Old, it uses covers of Elvis music. Um, of old covers. Yes. Um, and it then uses a few Elvis songs that were not owned by the Presley estate, um, which mm. is able to get away with licensing. Yeah. Um, but those were two very, like, those are two different takes on that topic. Yeah. Um, and they're both, for the context of their movies, I think, intelligent takes. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie decides to take the stupidest pucking middle ground possible. Um, which is the stupidest pucking middle ground? I meant to say pu- fucking. Okay. <laughs> in which is, we're going to delve right into this stuff and then say, pretty cool. All right that he did that. Yeah. Um, which is so fucked up. And this movie, it's impossible. It's borderline like disastrous. I was talking to my girlfriend about this last night because after I watched it, I immediately had to call her and like tell her all about this. But you know what? One thing I said to her, it's like, you know who's the one person playing the right role in this movie? Yeah. Winona Ryder. Yeah. Do you know why? Did you think her acting was a little bit immature and childish? Like she was kind of like overdoing like the little girl aspect. It's because she's 18 playing a 13 year old. Right. It's she's she's doing the correct role. Yes, she's playing up. Uh, funny, uh, ironic that she's playing up the youngness, the immaturity yes. of this character. She's the she's kind of locked into the um, emphasizing how problematic this is. Yeah. Whereas Dennis Quaid um, and the rest of the, <sighs> the movie the production, yeah, right, is not. Is not remotely interested in that stuff. I would love to romanticize this point we're making, as in like here, here's Winona, the only person yeah. who knew the right story about it, and like really put in her performance to emphasize that. But the performance got lost in the muddleness yeah. of the rest of the production. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. But I, but just from watching this movie, I thought I just came away with it. It's like Winona Ryder was the only one who knew what the assignment was in yes. this movie. And you know, I there's some quotes from her talking about this movie. Oh. Um. So first and foremost, um, I do want to say this is a very funny story that is not fully related. But they brought this script to um, Dino De Laurentiis, who's a legendary producer. Mm-hmm. And he is like, oh, yeah, we'll definitely make this. Uh, the Jerry Lewis movie. And then they're like, they got decently far with him. And he's like, and they're like, wait, you think it's about Jerry Lewis, the comedian? He's like, yeah. And they're like, no, it's about Jerry Lee Lewis. And he was really upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, when they go in to make... Here's the ultimate example of um, how this movie takes a, the worst middle ground possible. Is they presented this movie to both Jerry Lee Lewis and Mary... Um, um, Myra. Myra. Sorry. Yeah. Mary... Myra Gale Brown. I keep mixing up the words. Yeah. Uh, Myra Gale Brown. And neither of them liked it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis said, um, it made me look bad... It wasn't even a real love affair. It was just a girl I made love to. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, no. And then no, Myra Gale no. said it sugarcoats my abuse under Jerry Lee Lewis. It's fucked up on both ends of yes, it. <laughs> neither of them liked this movie. Oh, my God. Jer- um, and Jerry Lee Lewis re-recorded songs for this movie. Yes, he did. Which means they went to him for this movie. Yes. His production. Where, um, Winona's big quote is that when they showed the movie to Myra Gale, um, who did not like the movie, mm-hmm. um, she did 
find Winona's performance very affecting yeah. and came up to her after the movie, gave her a big hug and said, you're a gift from God. Um, Winona describes it as one of the most amazing feelings she's ever had related to acting. Wow. Um, but the movie, you know, it did not satisfy Meyer Gale aside well, from her portrayal. As I said, like 20 seconds earlier, like I really do feel like Winona's the only one who knows yes. what movie she's in. Because uh, Dennis Quaid's like playing this like as a com. I mean, I know that Jerry Lewis has a had an over the top stage persona. Yeah, that is a true fact. Right. Um, but he's like playing Will Ferrell playing Harry Carey in every scene of this movie. Yeah. He like walks in. He's like, oh geez, I guess I'm gonna play up on the stage. <laughs> it's like every scene in this movie. I love my 13 year old cousin. Yeah. She's gonna come to Britain with me. 35 year old Dennis Quaid playing a 21 year old in this movie. Um, when a writer's 18. Yes, 18 playing 13. Yeah. There's no good, like... There's no there's, good... There's no good numbers here. No. <laughs> the arithmetic is off. The arithmetic is very um, off. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a bad movie. Yeah. It's, it doesn't... We're going to talk about a couple scenes here where I just... I almost vomited in my mouth yes. about how grotesque they were. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, the, if this movie had, had planted itself in the, the correct direction, yeah. Myra's book then those scenes could have been really fucking yeah. good. Priscilla is the good version of this movie. Yeah. Um, which I would recommend the audience check out. You can I, avoid I, watching this I movie. even pulled it up last night when I was talking to my girlfriend, and I didn't even know this movie was a thing, yeah. which is a shame. How many people in our audience knew about this movie Priscilla? Yeah. Um, I didn't. It's not very well advertised. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone knows about the Elvis movie, yes. but how many people know about Priscilla coming out this year? Mm-hmm. They would make a great double feature. Yeah. And the guy from Euphoria plays Elvis in Priscilla. Yeah, 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 I saw. Um, which a friend of mine referred to as Val Selvis. <laughs> uh, voluntary celibate. Um, so what? a lot of that movie is um, dealing with Elvis um, in- in- incapability of having sex. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Got um, it. All right. That movie makes Elvis look really pathetic, yeah. um, which is the correct choice for that movie. For um, that movie. Yes. I, re- I noticed you're saying, like, for that movie, Jeff, but is there, like... And I, and I get and I hear what yeah. you're saying and I understand that like for each of these movies yes. there is a right way for it to be told but mm-hmm. I guess historically speaking is historically one... speaking Priscilla is the correct one to do okay. Um, okay I am just really emphasizing that the Elvis movie um, which features Tom Hanks playing Dr. Evil <laughs> um, <laughs> as we've personified multiple times on yes. the show um, that movie does not work if you decide to delve into any of this thorny subject matter that movie's take is Colonel Tom Parker um, is the world's greatest supervillain. Yeah. <laughs> the snowman. The snowman. <laughs> and if, and um, he caused death and destruction and mass. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So can I tell you my favorite thing about Priscilla? Yeah. Is so, Colonel Tom Parker in that one? No. So Colonel Tom Parker's estate um, refused any like... I don't know why they didn't have any involvement in the Elvis movie. For some reason, there was a legal matter with Priscilla and him being in that movie. Mm. Um, And so the movie takes the funniest possible approach to Colonel Tom Parker. He is treated like the emperor is treated in most Star Wars media. Where he's like a figure off screen. He's a figure off screen who is spoken about in hushed tones. And then he calls into the movie multiple times. And Elvis, someone's like, Elvis, you got a phone call. He's like, I don't want want to talk to anybody. And they're just like, it's the colonel. Uh, and he's like, move the ship out of the asteroid field immediately. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that is no shit how oh he's treated God. in that movie. It's so funny. That <laughs> like, is so good. I kept waiting. I'm like, are they going to bring Hanks back? Come on, let's bring him back. 
Um, do, do you know who does the voice, or is there a voice? Do, it's like it's probably like the director just on his cell yeah, phone. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, Sofia Coppola <laughs> pretending. But to it is like it is. I was like, they are not treating Pernal Tom Farkle like the Emperor. This is so good. This is that great. Is so good. That's so great. I love that. <laughs> um, um, both good movies. You should watch them both back to back. Ideally, it yeah. would be a really fun afternoon. Yeah. Um. I think that we're going to kind of go through this plot quick. Um, I think but you so too. want to delve into it. Because really not much happens in the movie. Right. Yeah. Here. here. I'm going to see how quickly I can summarize the plot of this movie. Do you want to play this game? Sure. We'll, we'll talk about it in yeah, better yeah, detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want to see how quickly I can summarize this movie. Let's go. Jerry Lee Lewis moves in with his... Co- oh, are you going to time me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me know when you start. And go. Jerry Lee Lewis moves in with his cousin, J.W. Brown. He's trying to get a record deal with Sun Records, uh, which is Sam Phelps' company that started Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone tells him he doesn't have a shot, and then he goes and he plays, and they're like, mm, you got a shot, and they give him a record. Um, he becomes famous. Um, at the same time, he starts flirting with his little cousin, Myra Gale. Um, they continue along. He continues to play. He plays across the country. He's becoming more and more famous. Everybody loves him. When Elvis goes off to the, join the military, he's like, Yo, you're my successor now. And then uh, Jerry Lee Lewis becomes famous, tours the country. Uh, he gets an, uh, uh, a European tour, specifically in England. Um, before that, he marries Myra Gale, so he can bring him with him. He goes to England. All the English are like, what the fuck? You're married to your 13-year-old cousin. He cancels the tour. He is now broke. His record deal drops him. Um, and then we're reminded that he actually went on to have greater success later and is a big success. Time? I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. That's the movie, right? Well, it was 58 seconds, Jeff. Yeah, 58 seconds, under one minute. That's the movie, right? That That is the And movie. I repeated myself like once or twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it should be noted that when the movie starts, they're already flirting. Yes. That was the, the first time they've met, but they're already flirting. Because I, 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 one thought that I had with this movie, it's like, if you're going to try to make like a commentary on how like grotesque this is, you don't start with that being the normal. Yes. Because the normal, as we start off with, is Jerry Lee Lewis is living with his cousin. Yeah, he moves in with his cousin, J.W. Brown, who's the bassist for his group. Right. Um, who's married and has a daughter, yes, Winona Ryder, who's 13. Yes. Right away in that first scene, they're in like, he's playing piano, and they come, and she comes in the room, and she starts like laughing, giddle, getting, and twirling her hair. Like, yeah. Winona's really upping the whole like teenage like romance. Yeah. In this movie. But it starts off right away. Yes. So the movie would have to believe that this is the normal, that we're introducing ourselves to Jerry Lee Lewis and his cousin who he's flirting with, Myra Gay- Gale Brown. Yes. Which is not the movie you want to tell if you the, want to show how grotesque the this is. The exact wording is, she says, I'm only 13. He says, you look all woman to Jerry Lee. Yeah. Um, Who's already been divorced twice before. Yes, he's been divorced twice. And he will get married three times after Myra. Yes. Um, um. <laughs> so that that's an important detail but yes. then it's really funny because i think i'm just gonna there's only he becomes success at like minute 10 yeah minute 10 <laughs> i was texting you during the while i was yeah. watching this movie i'm like i'm 10 minutes in i'm already disgusted yes because um, 10 minutes in he he goes to sam phillips and like is told like you don't have a chance and then he goes home and hears his record being played on the radio. Yeah. And he's like, I guess Jerry Lee's a success. <laughs> Dennis, this is Dennis Quaid, by the way. Yes. I text you this. I don't want to see Dennis Quaid in any other role other than Grizzled President, yes. Grizzled Secret Service Man of the President, or just Grizzled Man in general. Sir, I think I've talked about this on the show. Are you aware my new favorite movie of all time is coming out in the next year? 
Well, what's that? So Dennis Quaid is in this movie. Um, here's here's the pitch of this movie. Eighty four year old John Voight plays <laughs> Soviet spy KGB ex KGB operative Viktor Novikov, who is recounting his life as the KGB spy in charge of spying on 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, played by Dennis Quaid. Oh my god! <laughs> and the movie is entitled Reagan. Can we go watch that together? <laughs> the movie is entitled Reagan. I want to go watch that with Scott you. Scott Stapp, the lead singer of Creed, is playing Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. This movie sounds like it's going to be so terrible. Yeah. I cannot wait to see it. I want to go watch it in theaters. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. A yeah. hot mess. Um, it's funny. I, talked, I am excited for one. But Dennis Quaid has like the weirdest hairdo, which I know is like kind of yeah. supposed to be. He like kind of does look like Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. And like he, do, he is doing the voice. How do you feel about the lip syncing? Uh, a it's a weird. little bit off. Yeah, right? it's a little bit weird. Yeah, because he's clear. It's clearly Jerry Lee Lewis singing the songs, mm. which is another problematic point of the movie. That it, again, it's just such a the middle of fucking road movie you've ever seen. Yes, like movies with bad takes are better than this one. Yes, like at least this movie doesn't have a take. No, it doesn't. Um, at least movies. Some movies have conviction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're evil. Right. Um. This movie makes it worse that it has no conviction. I wrote that Quaid is bathing in the River of Ham. G Wiz yes. Willikers. He's like playing a Looney Tunes character. He is. He very much. Which Jerry Lee Lewis is very theatrical. Um, it's not yeah. like he wasn't like this, but Quaid is doing a thing in this movie. He's making choices. Yes, making a lot of choices. But yeah, he gets famous. He goes on tour. Um, um, Alec Baldwin shows up as his Alec other cousin Baldwin. as a preacher. Who's a preacher? Yeah. And they they start off with like this little banter where Alec Baldwin's preaching against the rock and roll music. It's got the classic tale of like rock and roll is evil music. It's yes. the devil's music, and Jerry Lee Lewis is his prophet or whatever. Um, but he like gives Alec Baldwin his car and is like, you know, like I pick my life, there, dear cousin. <laughs> that that's the life of rock and roll. Um, but then him and Myra's relationship develops. Keeps, develops. Ugh, I just throw up in my mouth thinking about it, but um. He encounters Elvis like three times. In the movie. Yes. Um, Elvis played by um, Michael St. Gerard in this movie. Yes. Um, who was the original Link Larkin in the original Hairspray movie. Yeah. Um, can I read you his other credits? Sure. Um, so Elvis look like one. Elvis look like two. In Great Balls of Fire, Elvis Presley. Heart of Dixie, Elvis Presley. Elvis, Elvis Presley. Quantum Leap. Elvis Presley. <laughs> he's played Elvis four times. He looks like a good Elvis Presley. He does Presley. look like Elvis. Yeah, he's a good Elvis. He's also popped up in some other things as random characters. But for the most part, his career is, I played Elvis four times. And this movie would have you believe that Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis Presley were rivals. They were really friends. When they were friends in real life. Yeah. Except, do you know about this one thing that no. happened in like the 80s? I do not. Or 70s, I want to say. When Jerry Lee Lewis got so drunk and so cracked out on drugs... That he drunkenly came to their estate with a gun and tried to break in because he said he wanted to shoot Elvis Presley. I am aware of this, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was one <laughs> thing that happened that was like, got them a little oh, bit. Oh, I want to come down to Graceland. <laughs> Graceland, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, this movie would have you believe him and Elvis were rivals. There's even a scene where Elvis is looking at like the top billboards and he like beats his wife. <laughs> yeah. Not literally beat his wife, yeah. but like he just, he's so angry about it. Um, there's that scene where he like is gonna go off to war, or go off to the military. Like, it's all you know, buddy. It's all you know, buddy. What we'll, we're gonna talk about what precedes that scene because it's horrible. Yeah, tell me what precedes that scene. 
Do we want to get there right now? Yeah. Okay. I think we're at that point. Yeah, yeah. So him and Myra get married, and they get yes. married in like a little chapel. They elope. Because they've, they've, their relationship has gotten sexual already. Yes. More or less. They haven't had sex, to my understanding, because that follows into the next scene yeah. I'm about to talk about. But they're definitely like making out and stuff, and it's very gross. Yeah. So then they get married, and then they're t- trying to talk about like how they're going to let their family know. But eventually, um, Myra's parents find out. Um, and of course they're horrified and they kick Myra out and then they go buy a house and they live in the house. Mm-hmm. They live in this house. Cut to this first scene. Uh, this is in the height of his glory, right? Mm. Him, he, him and Myra are in a bed and they're going to have sex. Yeah. This is when on a rider who's 18 playing a 13 year old Dennis Quaid who's 30, yes. what? 34, 35, 35 playing a 21 year old. Yes. And while it's a I will very say, weird sex scene. And while I will say, like, there's no nudity, it is a graphic scene yes. because they're having sex. And again, I, I, if this movie had any toneness to it, I would say mm-hmm. it's almost effective, but it's yeah. not because Winona's playing this as in like she's getting into it, yeah, and enjoying it. But then Jerry Lee Lewis is like turned off. He by says, it. "You don't seem like no virgin." Yeah. Um. And she's just like, "Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right?" And he's like, "You don't seem no virgin." He storms off. Mm-hmm. And this movie, if a movie was criticizing Jerry Lee, this would be a great opportunity to be like, "Look how sick this man yes. is." This is instead bit... what happens. Priscilla almost does the scene one for one. Yeah, and it's so much better in that movie. Right, that, because that, that movie's from the woman's. It perspective. probably takes the perspective of of Priscilla. Yes. after the fact. Yes. What does it do in this movie? Um, it goes with Jerry Lee. It goes to Jerry Lee, who does what? He goes to his music studio where he plays piano on his own, and he's sad. Yeah, he's, he's all a, sad. He's a sad boy. Yeah. So my wife's not a virgin. Yeah. I'm so successful, but and then my Elvis wife's... comes in and is like, oh, oh Lord have mercy. And he and, and the, what that scene's trying to do is like it's like Elvis bestows onto him the confidence and glory yes. that he needs to go he back home. The mantle. To go back home, and fuck his wife. Yes. And he says, "I don't care that you're not a virgin." It's so weird. And there's almost a little scene thing that Winona says right before it cuts away from that scene yep. where he's carrying her into the bedroom where she's like, I, I promise I really am yeah. a virgin. And then it cuts the next scene. It, this is one of the more sexist movies I've yeah. seen recently. Um, and it literally erases the woman's perspective. Yeah. Uh, erases Myra's perspective. Yeah, it does. Because um, like when he comes home, we just cut back to Myra sitting on the couch and crying. In the biography, Winona also very much talks about how uncomfortable she was filming this scene. Yeah. Not in necessarily like she was kind of forced into a way, but she had never done a sex scene before. Because I guess Heather's, it wasn't a sex scene. It was just like her. Yeah. And it's just like the. They were just on after. Yeah. It's just like the aftermath scene. But she had never done like a sex scene before. Um, in this one, it wasn't really tasteful either. Yes. Uh, so she's basically like the she had to be coached through it. God, um, that's so gross. Which is just like a really gross, like especially from a male director, um, with she's a much th- older Dennis Quaid, and she's eighteen. Well, playing it's the fact that she has to portray like a thirteen. Yeah, having sex is also like really gross. Yeah, and you can't just play it like a two consenting adults. Yeah, I don't think she does either. Because when there's you know essentially quasi sex scenes in Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Um that movie really, you know, emphasizes how gross this all is. Yeah. Uh whereas this movie's like, is Jerry Lee getting swindled? Yeah. Old Jerry Lee. 
he thought he she was a virgin and she to him she isn't so he's mad and it's Uh, like that that is so like what and the movie just how is jerry lee the victim of that scene and the movie just swings between a scene like that and then they're like watching a like horror movie in the next scene and jerry and like some guy gets lit on fire and jerry's like oh that boy's been deep fried yeah um that is the this movie has no sense of tone no sense of tone. Um, when people make movies, they forget about tone a lot. Yeah. And tone's maybe the most important thing. Yeah. Tone needs to be consistent from scene to scene. Yeah. Or if it's not, that has to be the point. Yeah. Um, you can't just be like, well, you know, this is just what happens next. Well, it, you know, w- with a lot of subjective things in movies, it's the one objective thing that is you're in your toolkit. Yeah. Like, if you don't have it, then that's that. Yeah. That's a crucial. It's like driving with three of your four wheels, mm-hmm. you know? can move but it's yeah, gonna be it's gonna be a bumpy ride it's gonna be a bumpy ride the whole time and this movie is best described as a bumpy ride yeah the only other thing i think really calls more attention and you can tell me if you have other things too yeah. is but it's the europe it's the british tour yeah i there's some random scenes that i wrote down that i wanted to just mention uh because of merits good or evil uh, <laughs> evil um i there's one sequence where winona is like in a showroom buying um, furniture for their house that they've purchased together. Um, and I really like that scene. It really emphasizes how young she is. Yeah. Because she's essentially just like sprinting through and be like, I want that and that and that and that. And like bouncing on beds. It's a good sequence in yeah. a bad. It's like a good scene for a different movie is a way to put it. Because there's also a scene where he comes home and she's in the kitchen and everything's burning. And yeah. she's like, I don't know how to, to be, be a wife. wife. Because like this, she's like on the ground, and she looks like a child. Yeah, like the good, authentic version of this movie is so much about like being caught up in stardom, um, meeting like being a you know this movie and the next movie we talk about are both kind of about never meet your heroes. Um, this movie on a meta text, and then that movie literally. It's giving a Star Is Born vibes. Yeah, well, not even Star Is Born kind of inverts the the relationship. But that's what I through. mean. It's like it, it's it's like an inverted version of a Star Is Born for me. Because like this is a, like essentially like you meet your your hero and you're like swept up into this reality. Yeah. Um, and then you quickly like are being exploited by it exploited and exposed to the toxic nature of it yeah but like it's so alluring at the beginning because there's a lot of scenes where like they're watching the news about people talking about how disgusting their relationship is which is a good ammunition in a movie for her to realize it yes but it doesn't instead she's just like why are they saying bad things about us jerry like this movie is the one smart thing it does is it does like emphasize how alluring like this can be Especially to a thirteen-year-old girl who likes rock and roll, mm-hmm. like it's—I feel like as a thirteen-year-old, myself included, like you're not you, thirteen. You're though. very <laughs> perceptible to being like swept up by these things. Yeah, right. And it can just—and it can feel like you're special in this case, and that's what you know, Jerry Lewis, Elvis prey on. Yeah. Are we um, at the British tour? Um, there is one scene that I think is maybe a 10 out of 10 sequence in this movie. Um, They're like watching Gone with the Wind, um, which has maybe the best score in any movie ever. And then that score just takes over the soundtrack of the movie as he like picks Myra up and they like run down the hall. Mm. And it's like a very romantic scene. Anytime that they use uh, Tara's theme of Gone with the Wind, it's like, do, do, 
do 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 do. I'm like, yeah, let's go. It's uh, <laughs> a very weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just want to emphasize specific thing. I like it, it's like the scene in ET where the kid like it's not Gone with the Wind, but where um, Elliot um, or ET is watching that like vintage movie, mm. and then Elliot the score from oh, that movie takes, takes over. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ET kisses the girl. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And she like curtsies. Right, um, right, It's right, like right. anytime a movie does that, does that. I my my it. fucking lizard brain <laughs> just like immediately is like good movie. <laughs> um, so in this movie, ten out of ten scene. Okay. Um, Does it fall into the gross sex scene or is it? No, it's like completely different. Okay, scenes. okay. Uh, so gotcha. I'm just like good movie. I like it yeah. when they do that. Yeah. Um, It'd be really funny if it carried into that gross sex scene. <laughs> yeah, but then the weird thing is the movie keeps using the Gone with the Wind score. <laughs> so oh, really? I'm like, all right, let's stop, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they go to England. So this one's interesting because like they're planning their their England tour. This, they're in the we spend some scenes in like the studio, the recording label room, and he's with all his managers. One of his managers is played by a guy we've seen before. Oh yeah, his, his, Stephen Tobolowski. Stephen Tobolowski. We're going to be talking about him again next week. That's right. And welcome home, welcome Roxy, home, Car- home Roxy Carmichael. Uh, I'm I'm a big Stephen Tobolowski. Me too. I love him. He's one of those. He's like him, Bill Nunn. It's just like those character actors who pop up in a movie. Yeah. And you're just happy to see him. Yeah, yeah. You like, got the that. same like it's balding a big, head. It's a big that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always um reliable. Yeah, yeah. I like him too, but they're they're in the recording label office and they're talking about their England tour. Yeah. And the first thing they're saying it's like, you don't know, bring Ma- Myra. Yeah, they're like, don't bring Myra. And Myra walks in. And says, I don't get to go to England. And she starts to like cry like a child. Again, everything that we say about Winona's performance, which sounds like she's acting like immature and childish, is like the point. So like it, it was because at first I was like, man, is Winona right? dropping the ball on this role like is she kind of under like but like no she is doing what she should be doing in this role mm. the movie just doesn't do her any service so as you watch it you think she's doing a bad performance but in truth she's actually doing what she should be doing in the role yeah. maybe i'm biased because i'm doing a winona writer podcast but i don't know no yeah uh, so but yeah she starts crying and and then eventually um uh jerry lee is like uh if if, if myra can go to england then neither can i then jerry like, lee's not going yeah, so eventually they concede and they get on the plane and they are arriving at the airport. So they're in like the airport And we terminal. get like a tight five British comic stand-up routine. There's <laughs> yeah. like these just two fucking British guys. Like, they're just like, oh, it's like crazy. I hate waiting at the airport, don't you? And yeah. the guy's like, yeah, blimey, you know, hey, celebrities <laughs> coming off the plane and all that. But there's a few journalists there asking questions to Jerry Lee. <laughs> we just and, lost our entire British audience. Yeah, we did. Uh, but Myra is standing next to Jerry Lee's sister. Yes. Um, who are the same age around. Yeah. We've never met this character. Before. We've never met this character before. <laughs> I guess the point of it is just to hit home the, yeah. the gross nature of like her age. Cause then the journalist goes to them. It's like, are you guys like with Jerry Lee? Like, how are you related? And he points to the sister. It's like, I'm Jerry's sister. And I'm he's Jerry's like, wife. and it's like, oh, I'm and Winona who does a beautiful performance yes. in the two seconds. Yeah. She has this look on her face like, what should I say? She Because she looks at Jerry Lee and he says, yes. Well, so... He mouths yes to her. Oh, he does? Yes. I thought it was like she looks at him and he's too caught up in the press, so she looks back at the press guy and says, yes, I am. Now, he looks at her and like mouths something. Oh, um, I must have missed that. Because there's a, right after that happens and she says, uh, uh, yes, I'm his wife. Yeah. And then 
he immediately yells at Jerry Lee Lewis in the terminal. It's like, wait, Mr. Lewis, is this young child your wife? Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, ah. And, and his manager, uh, who is the guy you just said? Uh, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky. Stephen Tobolowsky is behind him. is just mouthing. Yeah. Like he's mouthing no. And then Jerry Lee is like, uh, yes, she is. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. That's what I thought. I didn't yeah, think Jerry no, he, Lee did not mouth. He does not yes mouth anything. Tobolowski mouths no. no to Jerry and Lee. he goes with it. That's why it's like those two seconds in Winona's performance are so good. Cause she's like in a split second has to decide, like make the decision, make the decision. And, and then she decides like, yes, I'm his wife. Then there's like, the, there's like five minutes left of the movie at this point. It's crazy. Yeah. Cause he basically, he goes to his first concert in England. No Nobody. one shows up and they're all mad at him. He's, he's like, like, oh, you don't like Jerry. And then he like throws a piano at them or yes. something. Or like he there's a lot of pianos being yeah, he destroyed. Just throw, he, he just th- he, he lights one on fire, which is a real thing that he did. And he stomps on one and he throws one off stage. Yeah. He breaks a lot of pianos, throws a lot of chairs. Um but they cancel the rest of his tour. Yeah. And then he goes back to the US, marries um, marries her officially yeah, because legally. technically he wasn't divorced from his second wife. Yes. So he divor- gets that done, marries, marries uh, uh, Myra. Yeah, Myra. And then he gets dropped by his record label. They they show, like, in, in, in uh, like, text, like, uh, image of, like, the Billboard Top 100, and they see a song like High School Darling or whatever. High School Confidential. High School, yeah, dropping lower and lower on the Billboard yep. list. Just to emphasize, like, his career. Poor Jerry to- Lee. Poor Jerry Lee. Yeah. Oh, my God. His musical career is yeah. falling because he married his 13-year-old fucking cousin. Yes. <laughs> A normal thing. A normal thing to do. Um, and you're like, okay, maybe the movie's going to pull the, the, like, the leg the out. Lever. And yeah. this is when it kind of transitions to him being the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, because he goes to Alec Baldwin's church. Well, th- because as you... That moment you just said, maybe it's going to pull the lever. That entire maybe is this montage of him like drinking, doing more yeah. drugs. He's performing at smaller venues. Yeah. There's a scene where he's on the phone with Myra and he's in a motel room with uh, another woman. Another woman, and she's crying. So yes, that little thirty second montage. You think, oh, is this yeah. going to be like the Star is Born? He's turned into a villain kind of thing or whatever. But then no. it doesn't. Yeah, because then yeah. it goes to the church. Yeah, it goes to Alec Baldwin's church and he's giving a. Uh, he's being a little brutal. <laughs> He's just giving this entire sermon about how shitty his cousin is with his cousin there. Yep. Um, something Alec Baldwin would probably actually do. Yeah. Um, and then Myra's kind of convinced and is like, can we be forgiven? Um, well, because he says, and Jerry if, Lee's like, if you want, Jerry Lee's not built, I'm going to storm out of here. Right. Because like, he, Baldwin says, like, if you want to be saved, like, come come with me, child. And Winona gets up and walks to the front of the church and they all do the praise hands yeah. thing. And he does the the, the the classic mega church, like, can you feel it? And then yeah. they do the emperor electric shock on the yeah. crowd and they all fall down. Colonel Tom Parker comes yeah. in. Love yes. it, love it, love it, love it, love yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so she like gets like blessed and all that stuff and she's like trying to like devote her life to God. Yeah. Jerry Lee, who stands up and Alec Baldwin looks at him and is like, Bro, it's like, cousin, do you seek, do you want to walk the, the path of the Lord? And he's like, I already have my path, the path of rock and roll. It's meant to be this like victorious yeah. moment, you know. And, he, and he, they basically they do the searchers shot from the John Wayne movie searchers, where the you know they walk out the door and we stay inside, and they're framed at the door, and it's like yeah. they're leaving, defiantly leaving and going yeah. his path, and then it, and that's when my mouth like drops, yeah, and then then it brings up the classic like title card from for any biopics, biopic. yeah, where it's just like Jerry Lee Lewis, um, well. 
went on well, before before because there's one before there... and then there's that one okay the one before is that jerry lee and this is the because i think this first one's yeah. worse yeah than the second one because the first one says jerry lee and meyer went on to have a child yes <laughs> and that's it yes doesn't say what happens after <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which is that she succumbs to a lot of abuse. Um, he and... continues doing drugs and being uh, adulterous. Yeah. And then the child dies do... from drowning at three years old. Yes. And she divorces him. And she divorces him. It doesn't say any of those things. It would have you believe that him and Myra went on to live happily ever yes. after with a child. That's what it would lead you to believe. And then the second title card is. Um, it's basically like Jerry, Jerry Lee, Lee Lewis is performing is somewhere still tonight. Perform somewhere tonight. He's still a king of rock and roll. Yeah. Um, and then it ends with a glorious yeah, and it says music performed by the killer himself, which is kind of fucked up because there are allegations he killed one of his wives. Um, what? Um, what? Uh, it is what <laughs> his fifth marriage because he got married three more times after this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, his fifth marriage to Sean Stevens lasted seventy-seven days. She died of an overdose of methadone. Um, a journalist alleged that he abused and killed her. Um, Oh my god! But there, there was never evidence. I won't emphasize for right, right. any yeah, lawyers yeah, yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. never evidence. <laughs> I am simply asserting what this journalist um, alleged. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he basically went on to continue to be an abusive piece of shit. Um, and he switched genres to country music. Yeah, he switched genres to country. And the big, worst crime of and all. And had a big <laughs> comeback. He, he had was a big majorly comeback. Successful as a country singer. The worst crime of it all. He was successful until his death in 2022. That's so a, almost a year ago today. Insanity, insanity. So he goes on to marry his sixth wife, who is the ex-wife of the brother of Myra. Yes, <laughs> and so it's just like this guy knows no bounds. Yes, knows no fucking bounds. Just like really. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Like the world's terrible sometimes. Yeah. Um, like, cause you know, like there's a lot of movies out there that have the premise of like this musical legend had a tr- tr- troubled life and did some really bad things, but boy, weren't they great while they were around. Yeah. And it, but the fact this movie came out in 1989, yes. <laughs> like he's still well into his like country heyday. Yes. Um, so it, the killer himself, killer himself it's i hated this movie yes this was no good very bad don't watch this movie yeah. it's actually really hard to watch this movie so you're, you guys are lucky yeah how did you should we I mean, let's not go into how we watched okay. this movie. <laughs> 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 um, there were um, a few glorious underpa- 480p <laughs> i was like there's a few underpasses we had to meet some folks yes in, uh just to put it that way um but no don't watch this movie watch priscilla um watch elvis Watch, don't watch this. Don't watch this. Um, Is there any post text? This movie massive flop. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it comes out. Everyone's like, hmm, weird text and weird idea to this movie. Yeah. Um, ba- the basic vibe is Winona Ryder does get some respect for it because she does get nominated for a Young Artist Award. It's the only nomination this movie gets. Um. Roger Ebert, you know, says she's good in the movie. It's uh, this movie's kind of a mess though, and it shies away from the dark side of Lewis. Yeah, um, you know, it just really disappears into time. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, that's, that's good. it doesn't really deserve remembrance. Right. Um, it's and it's in terms of Winona, it's just a footnote in her career. 
Yeah. Because, like, realistically, her career goes from Heather's to Mermaid's. Yeah. This and Roxy Carmichael just get this weird slot that they're... Heather, Heather's in Ever Scissorhands, right? Mermaid's is... I would say Mermaid's is... Um, another big one. Oh, wait, is Mermaid's after Edward? Yeah, yeah. Mermaid's is after Edward Scissorhands. Le- yeah. Let me uh, double check the the timing of that because I thought it was because I think it might actually be Mermaid's gets filmed first. Oh. Um, oh. But I, I'll fig I'll figure it out. Um, um. So yeah, but it's a good thing this movie didn't do anything for anybody. Would have been really bad if it did. Yes. Um. It is Edward Scissorhands and Mermaid's. They came okay. out the same year though, so they very well could have filmed it prior yeah it, they both seemingly they come out one week apart from each other edward scissorhands is first yeah so yeah so edward scissorhands um it's kind of the big i mean yeah. if they come out a week apart it's the same thing yeah, yeah. mermaids and edward scissorhands big big month for winona december yeah. of 1990 can't wait to delve into it right um but this is a footnote um and it really just kind of gets forgotten yeah that's about all i have to say about it it's, it's a flop yeah, sorry, folks, that this was just not like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we had some good, interesting conversation, but all in all, the movie in general is just kind of blah. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's a big. It's a big fart. Big fart. So, mm-hmm. all right. But we hope you. Uh, hope you got something out of this. Um, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um, let's never talk about this movie again. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Um, but thank you so much for listening. Please remember to tune in next week for our episode. Um, we've mentioned a few times. Welcome home, Roxy Carmichael, the first movie that is written specifically for Winona. Um, the role being written, Taylor made for her. I'll talk about it next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, please remember rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon Music, plenty of places. Subscribe to us on a few of them if you feel inclined. Um, we appreciate every one of you who listens to the show um, and love you all very much. Um, pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting, at TravoltingPod, Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky Feds, uh, TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at JeffWSweeney. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Stuart on five. And special thanks, as always, to Rebecca Sweeney for our graphic design, Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music. Um, There's now taking you out. Have a great week, folks. See you for Welcome Home or Roxy Carp. Mm-hmm.